Hey, what's going on? Greetings, good day, and welcome to another special solo edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fair Service. As it turns out, Andrew Stoughton is not at a junior hockey game tonight. He is in Mexico, which is awesome, but not junior hockey. And we try as we might, we were not able to make the connection to record this Birds All Day podcast about your Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, this evening. So instead, I will soldier on, do my best to go it alone, to take the questions that I threw it at the 11th hour. And amazingly, so many people, they heeded the call. So here we are. It's November. The GM meetings, I believe, are going on, which are the uh, unheralded kid sister to the winter meetings. I think it's maybe more of a paperwork thing, but not a lot of news. Maybe the groundwork is late, I think, is how it probably would be best described. So not much has happened. But as we've seen in the last few years, people, teams, players, they don't wait for the winter meetings like they used to. Uh, there will be some, the guys at the end who are left behind, who will be waiting for the winter meetings and beyond, as the you know Ian Desmonds of the world, or even uh, Marco Estrada, I think. They sign late. Which isn't to say that people don't sign early, because there are lots of early signings, like former Blue Jays starter, R.A. Dickey, signed today, Thursday, with the Atlanta Braves, meaning his time with the Blue Jays is over. Mercifully for some, regrettably for others. Uh, R.A. Dickey will probably go down as one of the more divisive or divisive figures in Blue Jays history. Um, Never... He never got to be what he was supposed to, which obscured all of our view of what he was, which was valuable, but not spectacular. Um, the R.A. Dickey ground is very well trod. We all know, we all have our positions and we all have our feelings about R.A. Dickey. And it was never easy with R.A. Dickey, but there are some great um, thoughts, some great um, um Opinions and positions on R.A. Dickey. Um, Scott MacArthur, Blue Jays reporter extraordinaire for TSN. He's actually co-hosting the afternoon show this week on TSN 1050 here in Toronto. So maybe when you hear this, it'll be his last day. But if you head over to TSN um, radio, you can hear some good, some really nice stories and really nice um, uh, just thoughts about R.A. Dickey, the person, uh, and how Scotty Mac got to know him a little bit. And uh, helped to kind of fill in and, and color, you know, color around the sketch that we have of all these players and the people who are closer to the team know them a little bit as, as Scott gets into. Uh, but nobody really knows him a lot. But there's a lot about R.A. Dickey that we do know because he's been so open about his own past and uh, the difficulties and um, incredible experiences that he's uh, been through and overcome. Uh, to become uh, quite an admirable person, I, I think. It's safe to say that. Uh, even if his on-field performance did not um, earn him the same kind of love that he deserved. Or love that he got from, say, Mets fans. He was beloved in New York for all that he did on the field. And in Toronto, it was never quite clicked. Uh, so well, that's pretty much it. That's all there is to say about R.I. Dickey. Again, what, all, everything that has to be said about R.I. Dickey has been 
said before. Uh, speaking of things that have been said before, uh, this is Birds All Day. We talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. We do it all year long, and we do it all year long because we are powered by Patreon and, and, and supported by our listeners, who are you? We're listening right now. And if you are a new listener, then I encourage you to go to, over to iTunes or go to Sketcher, uh, Stitcher or whatever it's called, SoundCloud.com slash Birds All Day. Uh, and subscribe to the podcast. Get it as soon as it goes up. So very late tonight on Thursday is when it'll probably go up. Get it then. Have it in your phone for uh, your Friday morning drive to work or uh, commute to work. And then you're hooked up. Then you got all the latest, which in November, there isn't a lot of latest. There's some. There's interpretations of latest. But as I said, we're powered and supported by our listeners at patreon.com slash birds all day, where you can make a small contribution uh, if you feel so inclined and uh, it motivates us and keeps us going keeps us doing solo episodes and dual episodes and one guy's in mexico and another guy's in etobicoke uh, they're basically the same thing and uh we're trying to make it work so in lieu of the two man operation get another one of just me me and the questions from the birds all day listeners and supporters who we're all um so so grateful of to have uh, we've been going, I believe this is number 90, 90 of these things, plus all the ones before. It's crazy. We're having a good time. We're having a great time. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, the news. Again, we'll take some questions from people on Twitter uh, and Facebook. Talk about the news. Not a lot of news. Well, in some ways, there is news. Edmund Encarnacion is sort of dominating the news cycle right now. It's not, I don't know that he's the biggest fish out there. I think maybe Justin Turner, because of his age and his positional flexibility. Is a more attractive free agent piece. But Edwin is the big bat, Edwin and Jonas Cespedes. Uh, Edwin is much better than Cespedes. Uh, he uh, has been for a long time and probably uh, will continue to be better than the former Met and Red Sox. Remember, you want Cespedes to play for the Red Sox? That's crazy now. The A's. Somebody else, too. Anyway, the Red Sox. Wacky. But it's Edwin who's going to set the market, so to speak. Uh, there's been a lot of talk, of course, about the Red Sox. David Ortiz famously came out and said that Edwin would be a good replacement for him as the DH there in Boston. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Red Sox have the money with all the stuff they've got tied up in their pitching staff, which is looking good and apparently isn't going to be too much too change going in. Uh, but with Pablo Sandoval and with Hanley, and then with Pedroia getting into the later eight stages of his contract, um, I just I wonder I wonder if there's room in that mix for Edwin. Uh, again, a guy who is at a bit of an odd age for free agency, bit of an odd age for a guy who's going to be looking for the biggest pay payday he can manage. I don't know if, if the Red Sox are going to be the one to get it. Uh, Houston. On the other hand, I think Houston is a legitimate uh, destination for Edwin Encarnacion. Houston, of course, has all of that young um, talent, guys who are still in their pre-arbitration or early arbitration years. Jose Altuve, who the, who the Astros locked up to one of those really, really uh, affordable, steely-looking pre-arb contracts, uh, is is become one of the best players in the league, and I cannot believe it. I'm in shock 
every time I look at his numbers and how much better he gets and how he hits for more and more power. Anyhow, he's a nice base runner and he's a decent fielder. It's crazy. But anyway, they got Altuve under control. They got George Springer. They got Correa. They've got uh, that other kid that they called it this year, the other shortstop who played third base. I can't think of his name. Um, they've lost their catcher. Jason Castro is a free agent. But they got lots of flexibility around that team. They've got Dallas Keuchel um, not making a lot of money. A player like Edmund could fit in really nicely because they got to pay somebody. And it's not... I mean, it's interesting to me to see what will happen with Houston. And, and this is something we've talked about a little bit before. And the kind of the, always the threat of going the way that Houston did. Of course, Houston, not only did they blow the team up and bottom out and lose 100 games three years in a row. I think they lost 110 games three years in a row. They were just so bad. But they also had to switch leagues. That was part of the deal to new ownership coming in. They switched from the National League to the American League, which was a big blow. So I think Houston is really going to test that axiom about if you win, they come. Because even like Cleveland, like we, like a lot of people saw with Cleveland, uh, when the Jays were there in the late summer, uh, two first-place teams were playing, and there was n- the building was not full. There were uh, the Cleveland, who obviously ruled the World Series, and much was made of the the away dates when they were playing against the Cubs. Stadium was full of people who was watching on the jumbotron. There were more people that were there for those games than there were in uh, for midweek games in September. And the same thing sort of holds true with Houston, a team that's competing and a team that. I know that Rangers fans, they like to uh, chirp the Astros because the attendance is so bad, because the team was so bad for so long, and because the TV deal is now bad too. So what I'm trying to say, well, this is a long way of saying that maybe the Astros don't have the money to spend, but you figure they've got to they've got to do something because they have a strong talent base that's going to continue to allow them to compete, and they're going to continue to produce talent at the big league level. But they got to get butts in the seats. They got to start making some more money. And if a third year of contention, a third year of being at or near the wild card or the division playoffs doesn't do it, who knows? Who knows what'll be up with all those tall foreheads and and uh, and you know former baseball writers on the internet who work for the Astros now? Maybe maybe Edwin Encarnacion is the guy to bring it all together. The other name, of course, the big name on on uh, on the free agent market, or the big name as it relates to the Blue Jays, is Jose Bautista. Um, uh, again, coming off not a great year, as we all know, not a great year, not a bad year, not a good year for him, as as everyone is, is uh, prone to say. Um, there's been some talk about whether or not Bautista will take the qualifying offer, and then maybe look to the next CBA where that uh, condition might be removed. I don't think you want to be Jose Bautista and going being another year later and getting into free agency because you're straight up not going to get what you want. Uh, Bautista's ray, ray, you know, rise to prominence and the fact that he took that gamble on that contract uh, that you know paid him well, but he, he's just not going to be. He's going to be one of those guys. And Arden, um, the latter said the same thing that he's just going to be a kind of guy who slips his way through and never really gets paid. He's never going to get the huge payday that uh, his production at its peak probably deserved. But uh, I don't think anyone's going to be crying too hard for Bautista's uh, finances. The point is, 
as a 36-year-old ball player with a qualifying offer hanging around his neck, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to feel the squeeze, I think. He's going to be one of those guys who is going to turn the... I, I think for sure he's going to turn the qualifying offer down. I don't think he has any option but to do that. But I think it's going to make it a tough go for him. Um, again, because the qualifying offer is basically just a, a, a salary suppressant, it is, exists to suppress salary, it's going to do that for a guy like Bautista. He's an in-betweener. He's, you know, unfortunately, it's hard to believe. But for given his age and his um, station, uh, you know, his position and his health, it's going to be hard to ask a lot of teams to, to forego a draft pick and then give him what he needs. Which makes me think that Jose Bautista will return and become a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. Again, that's my think. That's my thinking. Obviously not really based on any conversations with anybody. That's just what I think. Is it what I want? I think it's what I want. There's a big part of me that that's what I want. There's also a part of me that doesn't want to see Jose Bautista truly decline in front of Blue Jays fans because I don't think there's too many of uh, of us, I shouldn't pretend like they're, we're a different tribe, too many Blue Jays fans are so ready to turn on Jose Bautista as many of the fans around the game already have or did long ago. And if Bautista comes back and he's kind of bad, it will, it will be really ugly, I think. It'll be a really ugly end to what should be a celebrated career and it'll take a long time before those kind of uh, wounds heal where if he's bad and is a dh or is, is out of position in the outfield or then is moved to first base whatever 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 happens if jose bautista takes a two-year 32 million dollar contract or whatever number a guy like keith law threw out there if bautista takes that and comes back and it doesn't play up to that it's going to detonate his legacy as a Blue Jay, which isn't really what anybody should be too concerned about. Again, most most fans, most of us, we want they're here to see the team win. We want celebrations, we want parades, we want all that stuff. But it's nice to be able to acknowledge one of the best players to ever wear the uniform and not have so much baggage. So a little part of me thinks that if he goes away somewhere else and finishes his career and isn't the guy that we thought he is. It's a lot easier to take if that happens somewhere else as opposed to if it happens here. Didn't happen to Joe Carter. If anything, the opposite happened to Joe Carter. The, the, the Joe Carter rose-colored glasses will never fade away. And it's so difficult for so many of us to acknowledge that Joe Carter was kind of bad for a while. Um, and also Joe Carter, at the end of his career, was truly a sham. Like just, he was terrible. And Cito kept running him out there every day and hitting him in the middle of the order, even though he was brutal. Especially when you look through the lens of the modern day lens and we look beyond RBIs because he was hitting cleanup in it behind very good hitters forever. And Joe Carter's career does not quite hold up as it may have without the benefit of... Um, of, of today's acquired knowledge, I think. And I don't, want that, I don't want the opposite to happen to Jose Bautista, frankly. That's it. That's all I have to say about that for now. I'm sure there will be many other opportunities to talk about many things along those lines. 
Uh, one more, one last thing we'll talk about before we go to questions. A lot of these, which will probably be covered in there, are some other free agents. I know Stoughton, your friend of mine, he wrote about this for Vice Sports, actually, about how the Jays, it was under the, um, the headline that he may or may not have written, uh, about how the Jays could be good even if they lose both Edward Encarnacion and Jose Bautista. And it kind of ran down some free agent names. Uh, you know, the Dexter Fowlers of the world, which is um, a nice pipe dream to hang on to. I don't think it's very likely that Dexter Fowler will be a Toronto Blue Jay anytime soon. Maybe uh, maybe it could. Maybe that's the kind of guy the Jays want to get. Um, I don't think it's too likely. Neil Walker, a Louis, former Blue Jay, Luis Valbuena. Uh, my thing with Luis Valbuena, I don't, I'll have to re-look at this again, see if Stoughton mentions it. Uh, Jose Valbuena is bad. That's a, that's a good reason to not want him around. He's bad, and, I, and he's also worse because he does dumb and ill-advised things often. He's good at pissing people off, though, to his credit, which is always a nice skill to have. Josh Reddick, of course, is a name that lots of people uh, are after because it's a name that they know. Uh, Josh Reddick also kind of bad. He's, he's bad in a way that I don't want to be bidding for his services on the free market where a player who's equivalently bad might be able to be acquired at a, in, a, in a more cost-effective manner. Again, not like counting the Blue Jays' money is my business. But every dollar saved is a dollar that can be reinvested to make the team better in another way. Right? Uh, Carlos Beltran uh, could not be more, could not possibly be more here for Carlos Beltran, Toronto Blue Jay. Uh, I'm in a full take my money situation. Carlos Beltran is a Hall of Famer. He's amazing. He's a switch hitter. He looks like he's near death at some point during every season now, and then he'll always end up with the same numbers every single time. He's great. <coughs> Give me Carlos Beltran. Teammates love him. His countrymen from Puerto Rico, they love him. Love Carlos Beltran. Take my money, Carlos. Impartially speaking, that is. Uh, Kendrys Morales, that's another nice option. Uh, I believe that MLB trade rumors, Tim Dierkes suggested that Morales in his prediction, projection, I don't know how you, how would that, how to weigh that, but uh, he thinks that Morales could become a Blue Jay one day, or uh, this offseason. I'd be okay with that. Twitch hitter, got some pop. Doesn't strike out too much. Play for the Royals, he's got Royal stink on him. Nobody wants that, but he uh, could help. And he sits, certainly fits the mold of a, of, of a player that the Blue Jays can add to the lineup to make it a bit more diverse. Uh, and another name that's not on here, I don't think, Matt Holiday. Again, I like Matt Holiday. Ian Desmond, I'm going to pass. You know, he got the qualifying offer, and I'm getting offered the hardest pass I got for Ian Desmond, who was worse than Michael Saunders in the second half. Which, eh, why not Michael Saunders? As again, I'll refer to Arden. Arden's a smart guy. And like me, he did his podcast all by his damn self. Because he had like Shai Davidi to talk to. I got nobody. I got a, I watched, just watched Train Spotting. It's very late now because I was putting this off doing this. And I watched Train Spotting with the sound off for the most part because I was that's part of a effective 
um, procrastination is not completely committing to doing anything in particular. So if you're procrastinating, don't, don't, don't commit to procrastination. Watch a movie that A, you've already seen, and B, with the sound off. Because that way, at any point, you could just leap up from your chair and start to record your podcast if that's what you need to do, which is what I did. Basically, at the, at the, at the climax of the movie, Act 3, I stopped watching the movie and came over and started to record. But I did effectively kill like an hour watching a movie that's like 25 years old that I've seen a dozen times. What were we talking about? I don't know. Ian Desmond. Oh, Arden. He did his podcast by himself, and he said, maybe the Jays should sign Michael Saunders. He was hurt the second half. He was really good in the first. Left-handed. Don't make him play the outfield every day because he'll obviously fall over. All right, Arden. I'm hearing. I'm hearing what you're saying. Maybe I'll buy it. Uh, but again, Michael Saunders is like, uh, like anybody going into free agency who's not you know, 26 years old. Um, he, this is it for him. He's got to. He's got to take a shot. Uh, if Arden, if Arden, if Michael Saunders thinks he can go back and reestablish value on a one-year deal and then hit the market again next year, all power to you. Um, I think Michael Saunders is is who Michael Saunders is, and that is not going to change anytime soon. Uh, if you think he can continue to do what he did in the first half for the full year, awesome. I don't think so. I think he's a lot closer to what he ended up with. On the balance, as I've said many times, there's only 25 players in the team. I, I need to stop saying as I've said many times because there's 25 guys on the team. The Blue Jays, for all of their moderately miraculous health in 2016, didn't use that many guys. So everything I've said about any player on the team, I've probably said before. To which I apologize to you if I'm repeating. If you listen to this podcast every week, and I have no way, I'm trying to have energy. I'm sick. I've got energy today. Feel good, um, but I'm just repeating myself over and over, and it's it's sad. It's sad, frankly. Steve Pierce is another guy on Stoughton's list. No hard pass. Eric Thames, the dude. If you know me, you know where I stand on Eric Thames coming back here. Likely or not, whether or not he would get more money back here in the big leagues than he would get in Korea or even Japan, that remains to be seen. The numbers he put up, you cannot fuck with them. How the, the league that we're talking about, how bad would it have to be for a player to put up like a 1,300 OPS and be, you, you, can't, you can't scoff at that. You can't wash that aside. You can't say, well, the league's bad. Um, it'd be interesting, and I don't know if I'm the guy to do it, to go back and look at maybe what was the struggles of Eric Thames. What, what, what was it that held him back? I think it's also important to remember that Eric Thames was never like, he was never terrible. He was about a league average hitter in his time in the big leagues, which wasn't that long. He raked in, in AAA, and he was kind of league average. So even if, even if he comes back here and the same, if it's the velocity that plagues him, could be. Maybe he swings too long. He's too muscle-bound. He's not, I don't know, whatever it is. He's enormous, right? Just a truly enormous man. Um, but if you think, if you're a scout and you're watching him and you're saying, okay, it's, the, it's velocity that's going to tie him up. When he comes back to the big leagues where velocity is king, he's got no hope. Okay. Maybe you don't make the same kind of investment. Then you're Eric Thames, you're making decisions about, about money and saying, like, I don't want to come back to the big leagues on a two-year, $8 million contract when I can get that or more in Korea or in Japan and I don't have to sweat. But 
It's, it's my sincere hope. Oh, by the way, today, Eric Thames' birthday. 30th birthday today. Happy birthday, Eric Thames. Here's to you. I hope you get a job. A good-ass good ass job for your birthday. Uh, the other guy on Stoughton's list is uh, Joey Votto. Nope. Let's just... No. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Take, take the questions from the Birds All Day listeners on Twitter. It's going to be great. Lots of interesting and important things people want to know about. We'll talk about all those things and so much more on this solo edition of Birds All Day. All right, so we're back. Ready to take some questions. And there's lots of questions to take, which is encouraging. Thank you, everyone, who contributed a question. If I don't get to your question, uh, it's because I don't want this thing to go for too long. Because no one wants to listen. No one, if you ever want to tell, there's a great tweet. If you can look it up, I don't know it offhand. But it's basically, if you ever want to tell or confess to a great crime, you do it at the end of your podcast, where no one will ever hear it. First question comes from Adrian Chisholm, who wants to know about payroll. Based on the success of last season with a $150 million payroll, an injury that it's rising, what is a reasonable number for a fan to expect? I'll say a reasonable number for a fan to expect for 2017 is uh, $150 million. Whatever it was last year, not much more. Uh, I think there is an element of diminishing returns that would enter in. And given the state of the free agent market, I think it's a matter of throwing good after bad. Where even if we are talking about a situation where the Blue Jays say, go out and acquire a player who via trade who may be a high earner in order to make the, 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 the team better now, uh, it's going to come at the expense of not only dollars but prospects. Uh, and again, the team is a little old. And I think it will be very smart for the front office to continue to try to improve the team and keep the team young and athletic as the word, the kind of buzzword of the winter to keep the team athletic and, and, and be able to do lots of different things, but not get older because then you get into trouble. If the team, the Blue Jays team, which is already features its three best players being in their thirties, uh, the pitching staff is nice and young in terms of Aaron Sanchez, of course, and Marcus Stroman. But you don't want to get too much older. And I'm all for flags flying forever, but I also uh, buy into the Alex Anthopoulos, who might as well be the, his face is on the money, on the currency in the land of flags fly forever. Um, but his buzzword that he used before was a continuous cycle of success where players are on their way out because they have aged out or they've, reach free agency, and there are new players coming to replace them from your minor league system. Or you use minor league tokens to cash in to kind of jump the line, and that's how you end up with the team with Troy Tulowitzki and Josh Donaldson, and that's good. But you don't want to have so many guys in their 30s, and that's who makes lots of money. So I'm, I'm thinking in my head of Ryan Braun, for example, who would be a great fit and is an athletic player um, who comes with a little bit of baggage, and there's a question about him coming up as well. But you can raise that payroll up real high 
but then the 2017 if and unless the 2017 Blue Jays win the World Series, which is great, but then 2018, 2019, and 2020 start to look a little grim, quite frankly. So that's the reality. The reality is the team's getting old, uh, and you've got to be careful not to make the team too much older. Uh, next question comes from your boy. Frequent subject or a person who has talked about on the podcast, Rob Ivercane. And he wants to know which woke free agent will choose the Blue Jays now that America chose a destructive president. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there are too many woke free agents in baseball. Uh, because it's baseball. And Brandon McCarthy's woke as fuck, but he's not a free agent. Brandon McCarthy deserves credit um, for whatever. I don't know why. This is a twisted thing about the way that we work, where Brandon McCarthy says on Twitter that he's rich. He's like, even though he, he expressed concern, given the election of um, Donald Trump, who is a terrible person, I think. Or at least he's a grifter, so it's hard to tell if he's terrible or not. Because he said some things in the past that were intelligent. And then in order to get elected, he had to say the complete opposite of those things. But anyway. Brandon McCarthy was like, I'm rich and white and straight and a man. So I'm going to be okay either way. And it's almost it, people, people who don't know him, who follow him on Twitter because he is famous for being a very athletically gifted individual, almost taken aback by the fact that Brandon McCarthy was like, yeah, I'm rich. Because he is, he's rich. He signed, what, four years, $48 million? And he's also been a baseball player for many years before that. And he's also comes from a family that was able to produce a professional baseball player in America, which means that he was rich all along. But when he says it, it's like, dude, don't rub my nose in it, all right? Humble, uh, there was a response, which was like, humble brag much? Which maybe it was sarcastic, but yeah, he's rich. He worked his ass off to get there. But still. He just don't say it out loud. You have to pretend like it's not a big deal or pretend like you're not. This is like, I'm opening the white person playbook here for the people who listen to podcasts who, uh, as the world knows, uh, is the most diverse audience. Uh, a baseball, a, a Canadian baseball podcast, uh, a veritable rainbow of listeners, as I understand it. Um, men, women, children of all ages, walks of life. That's what the Birds All Day brand is all about. We bring... Uh, the whole world under our enormous tent. Mike McDonald, Mike McDougal wants to know. Well, here we go, Ryan Braun. What would Brewers want for Braun, and would it would he fit in a corner outfield for the Jays? We have signed bigger POS piece of people as our shit than that in the past. Yeah, it's true. I think the Brewers would want a lot because he's very good, and his contract is reasonable. Um. The Brewers are rebuilding, and they sh he's, I don't know. It's tough. Ryan Braun, of course, was suspended for his role in the PED, the biogenesis scandal. He kind of shamed a guy out of his job, as I understand it. If I could kind of give the top-line answer to what happened there. He cost a guy's job by being a bit of a liar. That's, I don't know if he's necessarily a piece of shit. He just did something to get ahead in baseball. Um, to make lots of money, speaking of being rich. He's very rich as well. I think Ryan, Ryan what, what team does Ryan Braun not fit on? He's great. He's not a great outfielder. He can hit. He, uh, he was spent years recovering from a thumb injury. He learned to go the other way instead of being quite, not quite the same dead pull hitter. Ryan Braun's awesome. But 
Again, do you want a team that's getting older? Do you want a team that's more injury prone? Uh, obviously, the ideal, you want a young, cheap, athletic player who's also good. But those guys don't grow on trees. You have to draft those guys yourself. You don't just walk up to them. You don't just walk up to a team and say, can we have your athletic third baseman who's in his prime, uh, who is a power, incredible power hitter and defender and, and, and competitor, and then you trade a bunch of spare parts and a lunatic for him? That doesn't happen. Next question is from James and T.O., who wants to know who would be the oldest Blue Jay after Jason Greeley next season? It's a good question. All right, Dickie's gone. He's not going to be the oldest. Uh, isn't what, somebody's low-key old. Well, beating Mark, uh, Melvin Upton's pretty old. He's in his mid-30s, I guess. 33, maybe? 34? Maybe I'm extrapolating and hoping that he's that old. It'll be some reliever. You know, Benoit. Some random dude will end up in the back of that bullpen. Some guy who's like, oh, he falls out of bed, he throws 98. Here you go. Here's a job. Thanks a lot, random old guy. Luke wants to know, who do you think the Jays are going to grab for the bullpen? <coughs> I have no idea, Luke. I'll be honest with you. It could be anything. Uh, as I've said before, and I saw on uh, BP Toronto, they have an eye on Patrick Corbin, who plays for Arizona. They tabbed him as the next Andrew Miller, which is a bit of a stretch. But I am all for failed starters. Bring me all your failed starters. You got a failed starter, send him my way. Oh, you throw four pitches, great. Now you throw two. Oh, you throw 94 as a starter, guess what? Now you throw 97 because you're going to go max all out for an inning. Uh, I don't know who that is, but I'm willing to take a shot on just but, and especially if they come from like a good team or a good organization. You know, maybe like an Al, you know, Alan Webster was a guy, uh, the Red Sox. But, uh, you know, he's bounced around a bit. I think he might be gone to Asia. But just bring me anybody like that. Oh, you, uh, Robert Stevenson, maybe. Reds, Cincinnati Reds guy. He's been, it seems like he feels like he's been the next best thing forever. And then all of a sudden, oh, he doesn't show this. And oh, he's not really improving that much anymore. And oh, turn the lineup over his heart. Bring him around. That's what I want. Patrick Corbin. There we go. That's my guy. Eric Hartman. Good dude. Uh, any lefty relief options besides Cecil and Mr. 207? Boone Logan? <laughs> Boone. He does. I'm surprised that I remembered who Mr. 207 was. It's the Boone's man himself. Uh, Patrick Corbin. I think that the BP guys have me convinced. There we go. Raid the Dumbbacks. Bring me all the D-backs. Give me all those guys. Uh, Daniel Hudson. I think he's a free agent. He's not left-handed, but I want him. He throws hard. Failed starter. Sign it. Uh, Terry Kane. Active Twitter user Terry Kane. Wants to know how we get Joey Votto. Uh, you take on like $175 million worth of contract for a player in his 30s, which would, be, which would be fine if you're Houston and you have a really young team and money to spend. Or it would be fine if you're... Cleveland and you have a really young cheap core around which you can you know if you had more money and you're not Cleveland Jays don't have a young cheap core Jays have an old expensive core and making it older and expensive is scary I'm all for signing Joey Votto for obvious reasons none the least of which is like he is top 30 all time in way to runs created plus he hasn't declined yet but he's a ridiculous 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 hitter ridiculous 
Bring him in. Yeah. But no, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to carry the full weight of that salary, and it's going to cost you extra players. And you're not sending Kevin Pillar back because they have the platinum version of Kevin Pillar in Cincinnati. They got no time for Kevin Pillar. Nobody does, frankly. Uh, Terry then follows up with another question. How do we get rid of Smoke and Upton? Uh, we don't. Or you just pay them to go away. You're not going to get rid of Melvin Upton. He's get used to get real used to Melvin Upton being around because he's useful. He was bad as a Blue Jay. Let there be no doubt. I don't think he's that bad though. Come on. He's not. Smoke? Smoke might be that bad. God, it kills me to say that. I defended that contract. He only had to be not as bad as he was. If we could get so specific as that. He was really bad though. Ugh. Need a need a drink here. Whatever. It's all good. Uh Mike McDougal comes back another good question. How many years until Aaron Sanchez can grow a full goatee? That's a good question. Um, I think it's an, the important answer to that is never grow a goatee. I had a goatee. It was the 90s. What do you want from me? I was very young. I was just, like Aaron Sanchez, happy to be able to do it. Aaron, um, and you know who I'm speaking of more specifically? I'm going to speak directly to him today. Uh, Tiger Woods. Tiger. Eldrick, you got to fix that beard, my man. It is rough. Fam, that beard is not working for you. And most importantly, it's not working for me. I know it's difficult to find a beard shape that works for your face. Uh, never look beyond just letting it grow. Let the beard find you. Don't be over... Don't overcompensate for a bad beard by making it worse. We just say, don't ever, grow a ch- don't ever grow a goatee, anybody. Never. Beards are even over. I mean, I, if, if beards are at saturation point. Grow a beard because it's awesome. But it's not cool anymore. I don't know. Just no, no goatees. The answer to that question, I don't think ever. Aaron Sanchez's facial hair is what it is. Maybe it is, though. Maybe he's, that, that's the thing. Aaron Sanchez is, is a man full of surprises. So maybe he shows up. Spring training with like a full-ass Jake Arrieta beard. That Jake Arrieta, of course, shaved. Just thick as fuck. I'm into that. Do it, Aaron Sanchez. Do it all the way. Luke O'Brien wants to know, do either Green or Reed Foley make a Castro Osuna jump? Or is it too unrealistic or detrimental to them as starters? Um, Unrealistic, maybe. Uh... Expecting guys to jump from 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 A ball or double A, sort of out of nowhere to the big leagues is is tough. Throwing strikes is hard. Getting guys out, as Miguel Castro showed, getting guys out of the big league level is really hard because you can't just throw it past them. You're not you're not the only you know you're not the only guy who can spin a breaking ball or throw it 99 on a dusty field with crappy lights in single A. Everett. Idaho or somewhere like that but um, stuff plays stuff will always play if you got good stuff there will always be a spot for you and teams are more and more rushing guys up because you have to feel they're, they're going to break down at some point so get those innings in at the big league level rather than anywhere else 
Uh, an important question uh, from Plain G from Newfoundland, of all places. He he says he's been thinking about this and his Mike Trout package is Vlad Jr., Aaron Sanchez, and Kevin Pillar. Uh, I won't lie to you. you. The Angels would hang up before you finished. As soon as you said the P in Pilar, uh, they would hang up and maybe have you killed. If you call them and say, I want to trade for Mike Trout, let me tell you about Kevin Pilar. You have now been marked for death. And I can't say that you don't deserve it. There is no Mike Trout package, period. There is not enough. No one will, the, the Angels will never get full value for Trout, which is why they'll never trade him. You cannot. Which is the realistic version of, the realistic way of saying, do you want to be the guy that traded Mike Trout? Think about how that would feel for the rest of your life. Unless you won the World Series every year thereafter. You have a Hall of Fame player in a way that has took an insane contract relative to his abilities. You don't and you can't trade him. You can't. They won't. And I, they sure as shit won't trade him for Kevin fucking Pilar. They won't. Uh, not unless you were able to give Kevin Pilar something that would turn him into Mike Trout the second. Dave wants to know if you rubbed Joe Biagini's lamp. What three Blue Jays wishes would you have for this offseason? That's a great question. Uh, I don't know. Other than the maybe trade Vlad Jr. and Aaron Sanchez and Kevin Pillar for Mike Trout, does that get to be one of my wishes? If that if I if that counts, then yeah, I'll take that one. I will happily take that one as one of my wishes. Another one of my wishes, I think, be the Jays trade for Andrew McCutcheon. Hey, let's try that one out. That's more realistic, more realistic version of of um of Andrew McCutcheon. He's not as old. He's not as he's more spry than a than a brawn. Uh, he's not a center fielder anymore. We don't have to worry about them. The Blue Jays got one of them. Kevin Pillar. Or, maybe not. Maybe the Blue Jays have Mike Trout and Andrew McCutcheon. No. M- McCutcheon. That would be great. That would be hilarious. Uh, and then, I don't know. Let's get greedy. You know? I want it left-handed. I want somebody who can hit from the left side. Ruggie Odor. Bring him in. Trade for Ruggie Odor. Trade, trade. I don't know. Not Devin Travis. The Rangers don't want him. That would be good, and it would be an interesting test for fans to swallow what they think they hate, um, and then suddenly they have a second baseman who's 22 and has like 30 home run power. That's fun. He's a lunatic, which is also fun. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, a couple questions about again about the bullpen, about who do you replace Brett Cecil? I've already said that Patrick Corbin. My mind is made up. I'll accept nothing less. Not one boon less will I accept. Uh, Charlie Morton. Mike Briarly wants to know about for the bullpen. Um, Charlie Morton or uh, Russ Overholzer. Charlie Morton, I'm okay with that. Swing guy. Let him t- take a shot at that Jesse Chavez sort of swingman role. Sure. Even just, it's fun to watch him pitch because he looks just like Roy Halladay. 
Uh, Mike, oh, this was sorry that Mike, I missed Mike's initial question, which was, um, I'm convinced of trading Russell Martin and signing Jason Castro with a platoon partner is good for the Blue Jays. Bold catchers scare me. Am I okay? No, Mike, you're not okay. Russell Martin's trade value has gone away because he's into the steep years of his contract and his dollars. He's older, but also Russell Martin fucking rules. I don't know why you want to trade him. I don't want to give too much credence to the Russell Martin makes the playoffs every year um, with a different team, but Russell Martin makes the playoffs every year. He's a great catcher. He's great at framing, and his numbers in the balance of the year, they were bookended by a really bad start and a really bad finish in October. In the middle, he was great. The Blue Jays will benefit incredibly by having a better backup catcher next year if it's A.J. Jimenez uh, or if it's even up someone who's better than him. Jimenez, of course, was added to the 40-man uh, roster earlier this week. Um, I would like to see them add somebody a little bit better, someone who is a little bit more viable and find out ways to work uh, more off days in for Russell Martin. Keep him fresh. Keep the hands from being all jacked up. But he, like Tro- Troy Tulowitzki, um, I think we have to also embrace the notion that this is closer to who they are and who they'll be for the next year or two, which is guys who are above average overall. 110, 115, 120. God, 120. Way to run's created plus. I'd kill for that for both of them. But they're not super duper stars like they may have been. But they're way ahead of their position, which makes them incredibly valuable. Sorry, I'm, I'm losing my voice a little bit. So I'm going to cut down couple of these here uh is number one uh, a good question from the coaxer is dalton pompey a viable starter option i think we're going to find out i don't think they're going to hand him a job like they may have done beginning of uh this year or whenever that was but uh, i think he's going to have every opportunity to prove that he can in fact win a job even if it means starting in you know by by the i think by the beginning of june hopefully we'll have a better sense of whether or not Dalton Pompey is ready to play every day at the big league level. Um, because either he'll start the season in Buffalo and then earn his way back up, or he'll start the season in Toronto and earn his way um, the other direction, unfortunately. Um, Rob Nedman wants to know who is an un- most underrated free agent position player available. Um, I would say number one might be Jose Bautista as a very underrated uh, free agent position player. Um, Carlos Gomez is probably another one that people might want to think about as being an underrated free agent position player. I don't know. It's tough. How do you uh, how do you make a, how do you rate a guy? Is he in Desmond underrated? I think he might be overrated. I think Neil Walker is probably the most underrated, frankly. I think Neil Walker is the most underrated free agent position player. Um, or Justin Turner, even. Those guys are really good. They won't be looking for work for long because they're not really looking for work. They're free agents. They're offering their services in exchange for goods, uh, which is sort of the way that it works. Moving up here. Um, Blast Hard Cheese wants to know of several needs for the Jays this offseason, which would you decide to hold off for last? I think that waiting on relief pitching is always a good idea. As the GA showed last year, um, you can cobble together a very nice bullpen if you're patient, if you're patient but also aggressive. 
Uh, remember, Jason Grilly could have gone to waivers and let anyone could have signed him. The Blue Jays jumped the queue by trading basically nothing for him, and he was incredible. Um, that's a good idea. Uh, to me, that's a big player development win or a big scouting win where they said he can still get guys out. Absolutely. We'll bring him in. He's crazy. The players will love him, and it worked out. Couldn't have worked out better. So I would say wait and see what happens with, you know, let the Kenley Jansen and the Raldis Chapman sort themselves out and then see what happens with like Mark Melanson or players on the next tier below. Uh, I love Mark Melanson. I think he's going to be a giant, which works for me. But if you want to play in that pool, that free agent pool, you'd give that, that, that some time to settle. And unless you have a couple guys ID'd as must have, that's who we want. Let's go get them. Either, either via trade or free agent, let the free agent thing sort of uh, the free agent relief pitching market sort itself out. Uh, this is okay. I got two more questions I'm going to ask. Unfo- un- apologies to everyone uh, who I won't have gotten to. So these are the last two big ones or good ones. Um, Phil uh, Golubovich wants to know if you could have any Jays pitcher with the stuff they had for a particular game, start Game Seven of the World Series. Who would you pick after Brandon Morrow in his 17 strikeout game? Uh, that's a great question. I would say I the there was that game that Dustin McGowan against Colorado, I think. He had a no hitter in the eighth inning, I believe. I don't know. Dustin McGowan had a couple. There were a couple days where Dustin McGowan um, was ridiculous and, and had ridiculous stuff. He'd be on my list. Um, there, there were some games this year where Aaron Sanchez looked unhittable, throwing one fucking pitch. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Uh, the command and and just the pure nastiness of that power sinker thing that he throws. But the easy and obvious answer is Roy Halladay. In I would say any number of you could pick probably twenty starts. There was a start I remember against. The Angels, probably in 2008, where Roy Halladay, he like straight up destroyed the Angels lineup. I think Torrey Hunter played on them that year, that day, and one of his lines was something about he did surgery on us. Like he just carved them up uh, back in the day when Halladay, I mean, he improved when he went to Philadelphia. He finally brought that change up all the way out that. Every year, Roy Halladay would throw his change up in spring training a bunch, and he would get hit, and then everyone would panic. Like, oh my God, Roy Halladay got rocked in spring training. It's like, yeah, because he threw his change up every other goddamn pitch. And everybody in the stadium knew he was doing it, and it was flat, and it was shitty. Um, the Roy Halladay that the Phillies got was a little bit better in some ways than the, the one that Jays had at times. But I think it's really easy to forget how fucking hard Roy Halladay threw and how he had that ultimate tunnel that you hear guys, you know, um, Trevor Bauer, for example, a guy that talks about every pitch you throw looks like it, it comes out of the same tunnel. And then Halliday's had about four different pitches that all went in different directions, cutter and sinker and sometimes four-seamer or curveball or whatever. Um, filthy, 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 filthy. Um, probably the best player that ever played for the Blue Jays and played there for the longest, Ray Halliday. So I was basically, when I read this very interesting question, I was looking for an excuse to give it to Roy Halladay, and here we are. 
but the Brandon Morrow answer is also right. Uh, and the, the final question from Dave Henderson. He wants to know a really important question. What's the best Lagwagon song? Uh, for me, uh, the best Lagwagon song is Know It All, I think. Um, I don't really acknowledge any of the Lagwagon records that came out after Haas. Um, I really like Haas as well. I find that record like a really fun thing to go back to. But I will listen to Trashed almost. If you give me an opportunity, I'll listen to it anytime. And Know It All, and uh, and Island of Shame, and Stoking the Neighbors. There are so many good rec- songs on that record, but I think Know It All is probably my favorite Lagwagon song, even though it's a little slower than like the good Lagwagon songs or the prototypical. Uh, uh, Beard of Shame is a, is, a, is a ridiculous, ridiculous song that I love. So those are my answers. But they're probably not even accurate. I don't know. Those two, re- those two records are fucking great. God damn. But the rest of them are so bad, I can't even think about it. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's all I got. I, there, there's so many other good questions. Riley Barrett has a question. Will Eric Thames at 6th or 7th? I think the answer is 2nd. Let's be fair. Uh, what's the likelihood of... Uh, one more question. What's the likelihood of Justin Smoke having a breakout season? None. Zero. Justin Smoke... We have to be honest about what Justin Smoke is and has always been. He never really hit that much. He never really hit for the power that everyone expects of him. He's never been the hitter that you think he he would be. He's like Matt Wieters. They're from the same town. They're these enormous switch-hitting dudes. They look the part. They look great in the uniform. Got that shit-kicker accent. Big mouthful of chaw. Neither of them are will ever be the hitter that we want them to be. Justin Smoke is fine-ish. But man, oh man, is, contra- is contact an issue for him sometimes? He, I don't mind if he sells out for power because that's all he's got. That's all he's going to offer. Can't run the bases very well. He's a nice first baseman. Great. Makes nothing, though. Let's not dwell too much on what Justin Smoke makes. He's not a barrier for anybody. All right, that's it. That's it for this edition of Birds All Day. Apologies again on behalf of Stoughton and myself as well. My, my Skype was messing up. He was in. He was transitioning from one place to another. Uh, he's in Mexico, somewhere now. I don't know. Uh, um, what's that called? What do they call that? I don't know. The peninsula. He's not Mexico City. Not yet. Maybe one day. Maybe soon. He's in Mexico. I'm here, uh, ready for the offseason to kick into high gear. Uh, thank you, everyone, for submitting your questions. I hope the lag wagon question didn't bore you. Um, I hope that Dave agrees that uh, that uh, that that. Beard of Shame or Razorburn, I think, is the best live writing song. Uh, but we'll be back next week. Hopefully, the two of us. Almost for sure, the two of us. Back again. Bantering. On the next edition of Birds All Day.